Galaxy Spires Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 80, and today we'll be talking about Island Adventure. I'm GC13. And I'm Sophia. Uh, on a tropical island underneath the molten lava moon. Yeah. So exciting. GC was very offended when he made that reference, and I didn't get it. Yeah, I know, Sophia. I, I, just, I just figured you for an Adventure Time fan. I'm not a real Adventure Time fan. I'm really only in it for the lesbians. Well, you know, just in case anybody else out there is listening and they haven't seen the Gladiator Ghosts episode, which it's like Morteus de Salami or something. I, I can't pronounce it unless I'm looking right at it. But as in my opinion, best Adventure Time episode Miss Sugar ever did. All right. So this Island Adventure episode was actually one of my favorite episodes for a while until like I kind of got over Sadie and Lars being a thing because I actually did... I guess ship them in the beginning but like over time like I kind of lost enthusiasm for it as the show brought you know more for me yeah well we know Steven ships them <laughs> at least in Coach Steven he did oh yeah absolutely didn't he say something about like he already just assumed that they were married or they were gonna get married well yeah he, he said that Lars wouldn't have to starve to death if Sadie divorced him <laughs> <laughs> well Steven our ship uh, yeah, that was probably the only part of the um crossover. The crossover that I liked. <laughs> Don't worry, bro. None of this is canon. It was the best part for me. Yeah, that whole like bit. The the part where he said that none of it was canon. <laughs> yeah, I guess I like it for more of a a symbolic sense. Like, thank God this isn't <laughs> canon. Uh, but Island Adventure is a. Uh, very complicated episode when it comes to the Sadie Lars ship, I think. Yeah, the relationship is definitely multifaceted. Like, it's not just teen angst galore. Like, they're kind of not that great for each other. Like, definitely not. Yeah, so it, it's definitely a bit tricky to say if you know, they're going to end up at the end of the show because I honestly don't think so. Like, even though, of course, the the crossover wasn't canon at all, like, the fact that they did, you know, very obviously sink that ship might mean that the show's just sort of like, yeah, they were one-off as a relationship, but we're not really going to make them the relationship. Like, it's going to end sooner or later. I don't know. Yeah, you see in Horror Club, Lars trying to mark his turf and Ronaldo ain't having any of that. Well, to me... Honest, I'm very territorial over my friends. Like, if I'm really close friends with someone and someone else is, like, getting all buddy up with them, I'll, I'll get a little salty about it. I don't know. Loris was pretty, like, remember, uh, I ran over here faster. Yeah, that was, that was pretty extreme salty. Like, and he, and like, I, I don't know, Horror Club wasn't all that great for Ronaldo either. Like, he legit tried to kill Lars. I mean, who hasn't tried to kill Lars at least once? I mean, Steven, and I, I think the list starts and ends there. In Ronaldo, Steven tried to kill Lars? Yes, with I, the I'm, fire salts. No, he didn't try to kill him. No, no, who, Steven is the only one who has not intentionally tried to kill him, is what I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah, the fire salt was more of an accidental. Well, Steven did come running into the big donut screaming, burn, burn people. <laughs> Uh, that must be the uh, conquest, the you know the conquest, the love of conquest from his mother. That's just like 
That's my favorite. That's yeah, one that... of my favorite things of Steven. Just like it's so out of character, it's almost in character. Yeah, just wacky off the wall. No, what I liked from Island Adventure, it was perfectly in character. The when Pearl tells him that he can't come with them on the mission. Although, I, and as an aside, I find it very suspicious that Pearl so clearly said, you do need air to breathe, and that that is an open question in the fandom. But that, that's just an aside right now. I, I think mention, he does need air to breathe. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Warp, warp Tor would seem to indicate that he does, but... And, and Lapis Lazuli trying to drown him. Yeah, but he made it all the way up to the tower without any air. Well, every time that I watch ocean gem i will hold my breath now obviously they could be you know like cropping the time yeah i think there's a time skip involved that's a pretty tall tower but anyway i just i just love when he asks pearl can i go tell all my friends i'm the warp master and she's like i guess and then boom he's already gone (laughs) that is so steven it's funny how steven likes to go on the missions but he also likes to just you know goof around like he'll die to go on a mission but if he can't go he's just like well, can I tell everyone I'm a warp master? They're like, yep, yep. okay. Yeah, Steven. He's a kid. He has fun with it. Yeah. yeah. Steven had some pretty good comedic timing in this episode. Oh my god, just like the worst third wheel. Isn't there some song by the the girl who voiced Your Sadie? Your friend Steve. Yes, who was like talking about Steve, the third wheel, and I'm like, that works way too well. Yeah, I wonder if that song was the inspiration for this episode. Could it have been? It could be. I mean, I wouldn't put it past the crew. I mean, we have a Kiki's Pizza Delivery Service episode supposedly coming up. So, I mean, they do love their references. Yes, absolutely. And even if it's just, you know, vague references to anime, they like to make them. Something's affecting their relationship and their customer service. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Lots to laugh at in this episode. And I, I always I always do like to be amused by my Steven. I love the lore, but I love the laughs too. Yeah. And I mean, Island Adventure was... I think Steven's kind of just, you know, blatant third wheel. It's very funny. But I, I do... I like to... Go after Lars. You know, I'm I'm very much an anti-Lars person, but I do have to say Lars was very much sensible when, you know, Steven's like, we were here looking for a monster, which we never found. And then just look on Lars' face. Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> I mean, very sensible reaction, I think. Yeah, and I mean, Lars might be a bit of a killjoy, but, you know, when talking about a monster that is still on that very island, you know, disappeared... I would, I would also just be sort of like, uh, give me as pretty as you like, I don't want to die. Yeah, it's like, Stephen, you do not have a future in uh, travel booking. Yeah. You're not going to be a travel agent, Stephen, just give that dream up. Yeah, and, and like, something about this episode that always kind of like irked me because it was never addressed was, I remember watching it multiple times over, counting the exact days that they'd been on there, even like the montage where it like flashes from day to night. Like, I'm counting all these days, and I narrowed it down to about eight. I counted nine days. Yeah, eight or nine days. And I'm like, Stephen just disappeared, just straight off the face of the earth for over a week. And I'm just sitting here like, 
he's got his dad and three crystal gems sitting back at home with absolutely zero explanation of where he's been. Like, I can imagine a lot of people freaking out. Yeah, that's, that is kind of weird. I mean, on one hand, you can say Garnet saw in her future vision that he would definitely come back, but I don't think that's a satisfying or even likely explanation. Yeah, and like, that's the problem with future vision. It is way too OP. Like, you can go at any moment and be like, future vision, and it's just sort of, it's not satisfying. It's not a satisfying answer. Future vision is to Steven Universe like transporters are to Star Trek. I think fans want to use it to explain a lot more stuff than the writers want to use it to explain, you know? Yeah, and it was also like, I'm rewatching Harry Potter with my girlfriend and... Like, at any point, one of us would point out some sort of, like, fundamental flaw where it's like, how is this working? Like, I don't understand. And the other would respond with magic. And it's like, yeah, obviously it's magic. And it's always just like, okay, well, you're, you know, magicking the pan to be floating in the air and then the scrub to be scrubbing the pan. Why not just magic the pan clean? Like, and it's just, it is just one of those things where the more you try looking into it, the more frustrating and the less sense it makes. So you just have to, like stop i don't know maybe it's easier to do telekinesis than to break the bond that those lipids have formed with the pan who knows uh, i mean chemistry is hard grabbing stuff is easy chemistry is no not. no i had more fun in chemistry than i did trying to figure out how harry potter works because it's not even like oh wish the kids book sophia like you don't have to look too far into it kids won't understand it's like no i read that thing in the fourth grade and i was all over it looking at all these like weird logic things where it's like why are you doing this when you could just apparate like why what like oh my god <laughs> if steven universe isn't that bad like it may have magic but it's pretty good at covering its own tracks and you know like making sense and you can still kind of reach in and pick it apart and not just immediately have the entire thing fall apart immediate like it, it does have like the creators did sort of think through what nitpicky fans would start thinking yeah but this is kind of a short stretch where we have the episodes that kind of don't make much sense like in secret team we had the, okay, this is the only time in the series where they've ever displayed a pathological fear of Garnet. And then here, Steven's gone for nine days. And I mean, maybe he caught hell for it later, but you'd think that they would have thought, huh, you know, he was excited about being the warp master. And that was the first time he'd been there. And it was the last place we took him. Maybe he went there. I don't know if, I don't think the crystal gems are that good at understanding how Steven thinks. I don't think anybody's good at understanding how Steven thinks. <laughs> that is that is a very good point. But this this is kind of there is a this is a stretch of the series where we do get some of this weird stuff. Yeah, and I I, I do imagine he came home and everyone was just like, Steven, it has been over a week. What the heck? And it like you know, Lars and Sadie have families. I imagine, you know, Sadie's mom wasn't gonna just, you know, be like, Oh, she's just, you know, on a trip like Ugh. What I like is how they kept their jobs at the Big Donut, which wouldn't make sense if you think about it. I mean, they're just gone without asking for any leave for a week, okay, more than a week. However, the only customer... Well, okay, there are other people who like to go to the Big Donut, but not as much as Steven. Their best customer was gone, so I guess they can take a vacation too. Okay, so I imagine once Sadie and Lars just didn't show up and just left either mid or right after their shift, like... 
if there's a missing persons report and you are gone off the face of the earth, I don't think corporate's just going to be like, oh, well, they didn't show up to work. They're just gone. Like, you get fired for, you know, leaving to go on a road trip without putting in your days off early enough. Like, you don't get fired for being trapped on a desert island. I don't know. You underestimate how soulless corporate can be. I mean, they don't even bake the donuts at the store anymore, Sophia. That's because there was an accident. There was a death. I think, like, a death is the best reason to not make donuts at the store anymore. Craftsmanship involves risks. Okay? Yeah. Anyway, I guess Steven seems to like the donuts, so it's it's okay, I guess. Honestly, I guess. All, all donuts are good donuts. Even the donuts at 7-Eleven are good. Yeah. So, again, I, I'm, I'm very conflicted in how i feel about lars in this episode i give him i give him a lot of grief usually he does have some legitimate grievances in this episode however like yeah. i already mentioned the i don't want to be with here with a monster i, I want to go in a monster free location or at least in a location where i get paid to be near the monsters you know <laughs> i think like yeah lars definitely got the worst of the situation like sadie knew they could come home whenever they wanted steven was like really carefree and he knew the crystal gems would find them eventually but lars he didn't know he was like i imagine that would have been the most terrifying for him and like yeah, super stressed yeah and i think like the show gives him a lot of a lot of crap for being really cynical and really you know in a bad mood all the time and i'm like okay you know this is a pretty reasonable time to be kind of grumpy it's kind of discordant though, because you know, in the in the montage of the song, they show Lars coming to do pretty well on the island. He's he seems happy in all the parts of the song, and then the song ends, and we cut to a brutally depressed Lars. And you just don't expect stories to be told like that, with you know, happy face, happy face, happy face. Oh my God, it's so terrible. Well, yeah, and I think like it does kind of point the flaw in Sadie's plan, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, you get Lars a quote-unquote vacation where he can be a little bit more carefree, quote-unquote carefree. And it's just like you kind of realize you trapped him on an island. He thinks he might die there. And you just, like, think that's gonna be what his mental health needs to be all, like, cheery and happy again. Yeah, like, everyone's just like, oh, but, you know, Sadie's too good for Lars. Lars is terrible. And I'm like... Uh, Sadie was kind of a little bit undermining and manipulative here. Like, I'm, like she's not a... I don't think either of them are a bad person, but... Well, yeah, Lars is pretty manipulative, too. But when he manipulates Sadie, he's just doing it because, you know what, I'm lazy. When Sadie manipulates Lars, she's also manipulated herself into thinking it's to help him. I mean, we know that this is for her, but she has convinced herself it's for him. Yeah, but honestly, I think Sadie's is a little bit more dangerous because she doesn't recognize it. Like, like, yeah, I do understand that there are definitely both kinds of manipulation. Like, Lars just, you know, plain out just lying to Sadie to try and get out of doing work and, you know, making her think that he's being genuine and that he's actually, like, her friend or whatever. But I think Sadie, I think the fact that Sadie had to delude herself first is why people kind of give her a free pass on this. Like, yeah. this is the only really bad things she's done in the series and even then she only did it after she was able to convince herself it was to help somebody so yeah and like absolutely but the thing is yeah like from my, what you know like 
being with people, all different kinds of people all of my life, like, it's just sort of my personal, like, recognition of what I see. And I think, like, Lars just, you know, being, like, a like, that's very easy for him to be like, okay, yeah, I do kind of have to lay off, you know, being, you know, like, this bad to Sadie, but I think what, you know, what Sadie does isn't exactly as easy to stop. Like, it's more innate and instinctive to try and, you know, do... And to, to, you know, essentially lie to people and to yourself for, quote-unquote, their own good. And it's like, well, is your judgment the best on the planet where you always know what everyone else's own good is? Well, obviously not, because Lars was in a very, you know, scary situation for well over a week. And, you know, it's it's complicated. And I think, like, people are always like, Lars bad, Sadie good. Like, I just, I think it's not, it doesn't really justify what's going on here. Yeah, I, that, that's fair. But I think on the balance, Sadie is better than Lars. I mean, we see kind of later on in the series in Sadie's song that, you know, Sadie kind of has to be pretty good at covering up how she really feels because yeah, of her mother. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think they both definitely are very complex characters that have their own issues that are, you know, like, and that's what I love about the show. Uh, like, as we state every episode, there's just so much complexity that you can sit here and argue for, you know, almost 20 minutes, uh, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, and just you can never come to a conclusion because it's really complicated. And there are, you know, there's no real good or bad people, just like there's no real good or bad characters in Steven Universe. I do think that that is kind of a reason to root for them getting together in the end, because there's kind of a assumption or a hope that before they get together that they'll kind of get to a more stable point where they're able to deal with each other on a more firm footing yeah and yeah that they'd be better for each other because they got with each other you see yeah and I, absolutely i do agree with you there like if they got together right now i'd be sort of like okay well where's the development here like they have all these issues that are causing a lot of really bad conflict between them like they need to get to a point where they're more mature about it and more capable of dealing with each other before they can be, like, in a relationship. Like, I want to see some character development. I want to see this new Lars, you know, like, develop and mature to the point where they can, you know, maintain a relationship. Because right now, if they got together, I'd feel like it wouldn't be very healthy. Yeah, I think what we need is an episode where Lars really goes out on a limb for either Ronaldo or for Sadie to show some character development. We saw in Island Adventure that Sadie really threw herself in there physically to defend Lars from her, you know, the danger she put him into. I think what Lars needs to do is put himself out there socially in an area where he faces social rejection for standing with either Sadie or Ronaldo. And I think that would show that he's on the right path. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, like that's definitely not something that the show wouldn't do like i feel like that's definitely within the parameters of what what steven universe is as a show and how they would redeem a character maybe they wouldn't be that predictable but i i would be satisfied if they were like if you know like the the cool kids you know yeah i, I think i think i'd be fine if they had lars fight a gem monster to protect sadie you know just just make it completely fair but his big thing is his fear of social rejection so i really want to see him get over that mm-hmm yeah. And especially considering we know how the cool kids are. They're cool kids for a reason. I mean, he, the fear in his mind is much more exaggerated than the danger of them actually rejecting him. Yeah. 
And I, I think, like, what one of the best things I liked about the show, one of the best twists, is that the cool kids turned out to be, you know, kind of cool. Like, they were very chill and friendly and nice, and they oh, weren't, yeah. like, those, you know, stuck-up cool kids like you get in all, like, the sitcoms and the reality shows. And... Yeah, I was really afraid they'd go stereotypical on that, but I think Lars, he just needs to realize what a secure place he's in, and he'll, you know, once that sinks in, you know, maybe yeah. he'll feel better. And I think, like, the label as the cool kids is completely due to Lars. Like, I think Lars is the only one who really thinks of them as, like, those cool, popular kids that are too good for you, and you're just trying to, like, slink into their ranks. Like, I think, like, they're just, you know, normal teenagers to everyone else and to themselves, and Lars is, you know, trying to create this social hierarchy that doesn't really exist, and that's, you know, causing all these problems. Yeah, I mean, basically, Lars, them, and Ronaldo are the only teenage people we've seen in Beach City, so... I mean, Ronaldo's Ronaldo, and, you know, they're fairly normal teenagers, I guess. Yeah, and, and I mean... Kiki, she doesn't run with her sister. She's more focused on the pizza shop, but she's a lot more normal than Ronaldo. Yeah, and I think the only real stereotypical teenager here is Lars. He's the one who's, like, trying to add all these, you know, labels to them. Oh, you know, Ronaldo's the weird one, and, you know, Sour Cream and, and, and the others, they're the cool ones. And, and, you know, that's causing, like, all this distance and it's making him, you know, difficult to make, like, actual friendships because he's thinking of them as, like, their place in, you know, the teenager order of things when he should actually be viewing them as people. Mm. <laughs> so what you're saying is teenagers are people? <laughs> Speaking as a teenager, probably not, but... See, that's, the, that's Lars's problem. He wants one cool peer group when he could have multiple normal ones. <laughs> oh my god. That's good. That's good. <laughs> but, you know, you know, just talking about funny moments in, in this episode I liked, where after Sadie accidentally caught the fish and she, she tells Lars to cook them, Lars says that she's not the boss of him and she promotes herself right up to manager. And pull some rank. <laughs> yeah. And then, 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 of course, her shamelessly giggling when Lars makes one little funny. Oh, Sadie, how transparent you are. Lars didn't seem to notice, though. He's just happy somebody laughed at one of his jokes for once. Yeah, to be honest, that joke was really bad. Like, Very in character for Lars, though. And very in character for Sadie, who kind of likes him to be amused by it. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and, and I then, of course, Stephen not liking the fish looking at him. <laughs> yeah, poor Stephen. So why do you, what do you think is up with the wildlife there? Gem radiation? Yeah, with the faces? I don't know. Are they gem fish? Are they like some weird fish that just, you know, happen to evolve because the gems existed on the planet? Are they based off of a real animal? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's crazy. I, the, the island, Mask Island, we later found out it's called, is so beautiful. I love they got all the open geodes there, the seemingly endless waterfalls with water from nowhere. It's a very nice place. I mean, I can see why Stephen thought it was a good vacation location. And I'll, Lars may, may have complained that they live on a beach, but I mean, for one, much more private. 
too. I mean, this place isn't built up. This is like all nature and nature mm-hmm. you're not going to find in very many places on the planet. Yeah. And I think the whole funny, the thing with Lars being like, we live on a beach to be so funny is I, I myself live in California, right by the coast. And so people are always like, oh, I want to live, you know, right by the beach. And it's like, the beach is so beautiful. And I'm like, you realize that's like 10 minutes away, right? And, and yeah, I always find like the beach is way too amped up when you live next to it. But you know, I guess when you live in the middle of the U.S., like hours and hours and hours away from the from any kind of ocean, I can imagine it's pretty impressive. But I don't know. I kind of live with it here. Yeah, but I don't know. I, th- I at least the way I interpreted Lars's thing, I, th- I think it was a laugh line because well, obviously this place is very different than Beach City. Although Beach City is nice, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking it. Yeah, although it is a beach on the East Coast and the Northern East Coast. So, I mean, there are better beaches. Ugh, Mayor Dewey would be so sad. I mean, you don't want to make Mayor Dewey sad, do you? That there are better beaches? He loves Beach City with all his heart. He has eyes for no other beaches. It's the only city for him. He's a very loyal man. Yes. So do you have anything else you wanted to say? Uh, I do like the song. It's one of the first songs I learned Ah, how to play. Yes, yes. Beautiful, beautiful song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's very underrated. Like, in the polls, whenever people, like, vote on the best songs in the Steven Universe, you know, Be Wherever You Are is pretty high up there. It's usually in the top five. But... You know, you don't see that many parodies. You don't see that many covers. Like, it's always covers of Stronger Than You or... Um... Mostly it's Undertale parodies of Stronger Than You. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I mean, yeah. It's always like that or... And Giant Woman just lends itself to parody so easily. I haven't seen that many parodies on Giant Woman. I've seen a lot of um, covers of Do It For Her... Or... I don't think it's so much so much full-fledged, you know, song covers of Giant Woman. I think it's more people using the lyrics, like, in a forum post or something. Yes. Where, you know, where they don't actually have to sing it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Team Four Star did do I, All I Want to Do is See You Turn Into a Super Saiyan, though. So we have that. I haven't seen that. Or I guess heard it. It's pretty good. Pretty good. But yeah, it, it was a good song. I... If it makes it in the top five, it's getting some love. But it does have to compete against some pretty good songs. I mean, Steven Universe has a lot of them, you gotta admit. Yes, absolutely. So I guess that is everything we have to say about Island Adventure. We will see you all next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm Sophia. Leave us a review on iTunes. Yay, keep on shilling. <laughs> Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.